Thursday night, we released a couple's evening that I did live in Calgary from here on the big screen. We had a bunch of couples get together and it is just a really fun but important uh, evening that we did on couples and marriage. And then we did Q&A for most of the time. I think it was an hour and 45 minutes. And uh, But you need to check it out. I believe that it'll be a real blessing and an inspiration to you. We talked about the differences between men and women, which had people just laughing because it's important that we understand that uh, in our marriages. And then the questions and answers that uh, I had to field went there was like no holds barred. Every topic you can imagine uh, began to come at us and we just began to share uh, things that I believe will help so many couples regardless of where you are in your marriage. Today, and that's on YouTube and on Facebook, and it was called Love, Sex, and Marriage on YouTube and Facebook, and I hope that you enjoy it as you maybe grab an evening together and just uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. I want to talk today about love and respect or isolated and ashamed. It's one or the other, and I'm going to explain that as we get into it. You know, when you look at marriage and we, as you look at romance, one of the favorite movies for so many uh, people is the movie Titanic. And when it came out, I forget, it, had a, it was a lot of money to make, but then it shockingly made incredible money at the box office. And the story is, you know, it's not a true story. I mean, we don't know all the things that happened because the, the event of the Titanic sinking is very real and they followed along many of that. But there's one story that I wanted to share with you that comes from the witnesses who were actually on the Titanic. And I was reading about this and I just thought it was a, a really interesting um, story. It's about Ida and Isidore Strauss. It's an immigrant couple who, they started a little store called Macy's. Maybe you heard about it. Well, they were on the Titanic for holidays and as it began to sink, and you know the story of how this thing began to go down, and, and they put the women and the children in the lifeboats. And so Ida thought her husband was coming with her, but when she got into the lifeboat, and then she realized she was going to be going alone, and he would be left on the Titanic, uh, she climbed right out and refused to go on the lifeboat, and basically told him, point blank, wherever you go, I go. And they say that the crew around tried to convince her because she was an elderly lady and she refused. They sat down together on the deck chairs of the Titanic and they went down together. And it's quite the love story. I mean, I know a lot of people who would probably say, hmm, if I have a choice of a lifeboat or go down with my spouse, I'll take the lifeboat. <laughs> but I want to talk today about marriage. And it's not just to married people, it's to everyone. Because whether you are a grandparent, a single, whether you uh, have grandkids and sons and daughters that you need to give advice to at times, but as a church, we need to change how we think about marriage. And so this teaching is crucial. God designed marriage to be the absolute building blocks of society, of our world, of the church, 
um, for the church of Jesus Christ to advance, we need to have marriages that are so different from the world. But sadly, in many cases, they're not. Now, studies have proven and shown us that when you have a good problem-solving marriage, there are no perfect marriages, uh, but when you have a marriage that is good and it's lear you've learned to solve problems together, those are the happiest marriages, it's the healthiest people, and in their finances, they are the wealthier people. And so when you talk about love in marriage, love is developed. And here is one of the hugest problems uh, in the church and in marriage is that it seems to be all about finding the right person. And when you find your soulmate, that that soulmate and you, marriage just works. Now, I literally have counseled with marriages and been oversighted our counseling teams with marriages for pretty close to 40 years. And you could say I'm, I'm getting pretty much of an expert at marriages and families and counselings and issues. And I got to tell you, I've never, never met one couple who have an amazing marriage because they found their soulmate never had a problem and the marriage just developed. That's like handing a farmer an incredible farm and as long as it's a great farm it'll look after itself. No, it requires specific working. Now some couples grew up in a family where they without consciously realizing it are working on that marriage and they'll say it was so easy and some of them will say that but it's because they both of them have an uh, uh, literally by osmosis they had our parents around them that they just have this natural ability to work on their marriages. But it doesn't really matter who you are. Marriage is something that has to be worked on. Love is not a falling in love. Love is something you develop. It's something you work on. And if you do not work on your marriage, if you do not develop love between you, you are a train wreck waiting to happen. Even if one selfish person gets what they want out of life, the other person at some point isn't. It, it just is, it doesn't come anywhere near what it is that God has designed marriage for. Now, before I dive in to some of the thoughts I want to give you, I want to say one thing. I want to just digress. I want to just share one thing because there's always, with, with the amount of people that listen to my messages, it's impossible to clarify every possibility and so you have to use wisdom when you listen to the teaching and the principles of God's where he's not talking about this but when it comes to marriage there's such um, heartache amongst religious marriages when you have areas where people think they're, they're never allowed to walk away from their marriage or they're never allowed to consider leaving the marriage and most Christian counselors that I'm involved with will often give people four reasons that you need to be very cautious about continuing to stay with someone. And it doesn't mean you can't or you don't, but you need to be very aware, wakey-wakey. And that is when you're dealing with a spouse when it comes to adultery, addiction, abuse, 
and abandonment, the four A's. In those areas, you need to wake up. You need to make sure that you process this. You need to seek. Yes, you can forgive and you can move on if there is change and an ability to develop that relationship past it. But I am not saying in my teaching today that you stay while you get beaten up or you stay in a marriage where children are being abused. I'm not saying that at all. Um, I have always been the first person to help remove someone in some of these areas. So now let's dive into how beautiful and amazing marriage really is. In Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 18, he says this, there are three mysteries I find absolutely amazing. No, make it four. Now this is the wisest man that ever walked the planet other than Jesus. This is Solomon talking here. He says, the way an eagle flies through the sky, the way a snake moves over a rock, the way of a boat gliding through the middle of the sea, and the way a man becomes one with his virgin wife. There are scriptures that talk about marriage and the way God designed it. And when you look at marriage and you look at the way God designed a man and a woman coming together and developing a marriage, a home, romance, intimacy, uh, season after season, it's stunning how God designed it. Now we know today that God designed men and women to wait until they get married. And that's his original design. Now we know that, you know, there's a ton of people listening today who went into your marriage and you weren't a virgin, or maybe you're on your second marriage, your third marriage. Well, we're talking about that marriage. Don't look back and start getting all, no, make this marriage you're in now work. But recognize as we raise our kids, as we raise our teenagers, that you don't want them to make the mistakes that you made sexually, um, maritally, you want them to learn and develop God's best. And God's best is the way God teaches it. And so when we look at marriage, I want you to understand, I do not believe that most of us have even seen much of where God has developed this unique relationship between a man and a wife. Even when, G, even when the apostles are talking about it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're talking about it's like Christ in his church. That when you get a man and a wife coming together, that there is a level of love and value and intimacy and connection and joy that never stops. Whatever place you are at in your marriage, you could even tell me, I've got the best I've ever seen anywhere. Good for you. I'm happy for you. I'll ask your spouse. But you can continue to grow. This relationship of marriage was something that God designed, and it never ends. The, the, here in the Bible in Proverbs, where it's talking about, these, there are mysteries that Solomon says, I don't understand. And when he would watch a man and a woman coming together to spend the rest of their life together. He was just in awe at the things that they would do. Today, we give so much attention to messed up marriages. And, and by the way, marriage is perfect. God's design for marriage is perfect. 
It's the people in the marriage who are imperfect. And so when you understand that, you'll stop thinking, oh, I don't like marriage. Marriage is not cool. No, no. Marriage, the way God's designed it, and with how he helps you walk it through and build it, is perfect. It's the people in the marriage who are not. And a marriage is only as strong as the weakest link, as strong as the, the person who is, you know, that won't work on it, etc. So I want you to understand today that if you're in a marriage where you think, well, this is as good as it gets, Leon, we've been married 40 years longer than you. Like, I get it. Help these young couples out. No, you don't get it. There is no end to the power and the influence that a godly marriage has. And when a man with his gifts and abilities comes together with a woman and her gifts and abilities and they get married, there is something stunning that takes place. If there's children in that marriage, what goes on in their lives between these two uniquely gifted people, always growing and solving problems and forgiving and etc., etc., et is stunning. But where people just stop, or they exist, or they tolerate something, that you not changing, you not changing, is hurting your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Every one of us must teach the people we love how to grow up, how to make a marriage work through all the seasons of life. And you'll need to teach your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren how to die. These are crucial things. You, you, what, what we model for them has a stunning ability to imprint upon them what, what, what they think is normal and the beliefs of their lives. They have no one to look at except the people around them. And so they will look at you. So for you to grow, to change, is, is important. Now, a lot of people think that you get married for love. Now, of course we want love. And of course it's crucial. But most people think in today's world that through dating you're going to find the right person. And that's what determines. Now, I agree with that to a certain point. I've helped our singles. We did a series called Ideal Mate Material, where I spoke to singles, and it's available in our bookstore, where I taught singles that this issue of finding the right person, the Bible has a lot of principles of, that you shouldn't break if you want to use wisdom in finding the right person. Uh, but when it comes to love, it's got to be developed. Let me just show you in our time today just two things. I'm going to show you one thing about men, and I'm going to show you one thing about women. Now, you can argue with me if you want, but I'm simply taking it from the Word of God. And I have found, and I am a prolific reader. I'm constantly reading and studying for everything from doctrine to psychology to, you know, all the different areas of leadership that I can and, and disciplines. And, and I have found the Bible is incredible as I look at it and it goes, it goes way deeper than anything I've ever read. It's just that as you continue in it, it's built line upon line. You can't just go way deep down here and think you get it. It's a relationship with Jesus and a study in God's Word. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 
and verse 33 says something just kind of quickly, and you can just pass it by if you don't realize its power. It says, however, let each man of you without exception love his wife as being, in a sense, his own self. And then it says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, the Bible doesn't use words, and God's not scratching his head and going, oh, I guess I just should have said both respect, both love. Now, we know that is important. Women need to be respected. Men need to be loved. But it is showing something very powerful about how to make a marriage work. It is saying to men that you must daily be building this love. Now, how do you love? Well, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It actually shows you line after line after line of what love looks like. Because so many men can say, well, I love that little lady. But there's nothing that you're doing out of 1 Corinthians 13 that makes us even believe that you are loving that person. Now, the other thing that it says about men is that men are to be respected. And... We'll, we'll show you that in a minute, that there is something about a man that just requires, he just needs it. It's what made him attracted to you. Now, a lot of people say, well, Leon, you know, it's just got to do with communication. If people would just communicate, everything would be okay. Now, I understand what you're saying, and it's always listed in the top three of reasons for divorce in Christian marriages. But it isn't the lack of communication as much as it is not communicating effectively. Communication is destroying more marriages than you realize. Because when you talk to your spouse and your heart isn't right, when you share your feelings and even share accurately, um, if you can literally destroy the person that you're talking to, so communication doesn't work unless you have got compassion and empathy. Both are taught all through the Bible. Now, compassion is that concern for the suffering of another person, that sympathy for something that they're going through. Without that, your communication is selfish. And empathy is the ability to share in the feelings of another, to literally feel how they feel because you're, you, you're connected and you want to be connected to them. Other than that, communication will often be a manipulative ploy to get what you think you need. So you can't just say, we should talk more. Women will say that all the time. You know, and there's some that it's the men. Often a woman will say, well, man, this my, my husband's a great talker. In fact, he's a talker. I'm the quiet one. Of course. There's lots of, we're not talking about this, everybody's exactly like this. But communication, it needs us to understand uh, that it's, it's about a heart change and compassion and empathy. Two words that you need to look at all through the word. Now, let's take a look at women for a minute. If a woman isn't loved and connected with, she begins to feel fearful and isolated. She will begin to struggle with fear. Every time, it doesn't, even, it doesn't matter what's going on, she feels isolated, disconnected. 
And it's something that they'll struggle with their whole lives until you learn to win over this. For example, in studies of baby girls, they always show a greater fear reaction than baby boys. Being alone for a little girl is far scarier than for a little boy. So women have this deep need to feel connected. She's got to feel connected to her spouse or she'll feel isolated and alone. And now that doesn't mean in every case that the man or the husband is not doing his job. But once you recognize this core issue, then you're not surprised. And guys need to understand that as well. Because when you look at guys and, you know, we often joke around about women have, you know, 20,000 or 50,000 different terms, words they need to get out in a day and man's got, you know, five or something. And so men can say, well, I'm just too tired to talk. But men, you have to understand, if you do not communicate with your wife and, and, and be with her where she feels connected, you are ramping up the fear in her life. She's feeling isolated, doesn't, often doesn't even know why. And of course, women, you need to understand with yourself that you can have these feelings simply because you need to have a broken heart healed or you need to have biblical beliefs established as to where you are with God. Because if you and God don't have a developed relationship, then you will focus what only God could do on your husband. So I'm, I'm saying a bunch of teaching and just quickly, but I want you to understand that when a woman doesn't feel loved, connected to, that she feels isolated and alone. Now let's look at a man for a minute because the Bible so clearly in the scripture in Ephesians talks about respect. When a man doesn't feel respect from his wife, he feels shame. He struggles with shame. There are men listening to me right now who don't even realize why you so dislike talking to your wife. You so dislike even dealing with issues. And I'm not saying it's her fault. Again, the same for you. If you have not developed this connection with God and developed new beliefs in your heart, these, this could be things you need to deal with. But when a man uh, begins to have his wife talk about problems and things they should deal with, um, he feels shame. He feels inadequate. He feels like a failure. And so, Guys, every time your wife wants to talk, you need to realize that that's not what she wants. She's not going, I want to talk to you right now, and I want you to feel ashamed. I want you to feel inadequate. I want you to feel like a failure. No, in 99.9% .9 of the conversations, they don't want that. So when you feel that, you can deal with that, or now that you know it, it helps immensely because men feel this complete um, need to solve problems for their wife. And if she's not happy or she doesn't like something that's going on, it's their fault. They feel this, even if they don't agree with it, or they put up the ice face and they just develop a relationship or they don't want to talk. It's just because, however, 
it's going on that man has never been able to differentiate between the conversation and the need to build this marriage and the instantaneous shame and inadequacy and he feels like a failure he doesn't feel that way at work he doesn't feel that way with men but when he comes together in his marriage he feels this way because women are really good you know at sensing and knowing whether our needs before a man even sees them so again I want you to understand that as you look at women who feel isolated and disconnected and then you look at a man who feels ashamed and you know and he feels ashamed that these two things they run into each other and unless you are growing your marriage and learning and growing in God you will not get past that season you will be stuck I meet couples all the time older than me stuck in a marriage that has never gone past what could have taken in the first year of marriage they could have dealt with this issue of feeling isolated alone and unloved with a man who feels ashamed because he's a failure and every time you try to talk your communication strengthens because of the way you talk these two issues wherever you are in your marriage you can even take this message listen to it together look at each other and say we both need to grow in God because we can't just hold the other responsible for how we feel but let's talk about how when we talk that I don't stir up the shame and the inadequacy in you my husband or where where I don't stir up as I pull back this issue of feeling isolated unloved and alone if you do not as a couple deal with this one issue you can read all the marriage books you want and every time you talk to your husband you're making him feel shamed alone inadequate and so if you'll deal with this first then you have the joy of working together through great teaching books and courses uh, etc that's why it's so hard to drag men out to a marriage course because wrongfully so but a man will go to anything that is trying to fix something and as he listens every checklist he listens to is saying loser 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 you're not adequate you're not doing a good enough job and so men we must unwire this and women be aware of that just because he doesn't show emotion you know because you know th this is his uh, I'll show you many men's facial expression for emotion all right this is anger this is shame this is love I'm excited <laughs> you get what I'm saying they have this ability to just shut off and it just drives women nuts and it makes them feel all the more isolated disconnected and so this is just a start this one area today tonight this week could start you on a road that even after decades of marriage or maybe you're brand new in your relationship maybe you're just single make sure that when you begin to connect with somebody and you want to spend the rest of your life with someone that you don't get caught in this vicious cycle of a woman has a hard time respecting when she doesn't feel loved 
and a man has a hard time loving when he doesn't feel respected. And so they both slam into neutral or begin to destroy their own marriages. The Bible talks to men about destroying their own marriages. Proverbs talks to women about destroying their own marriages and homes. So let's do this one thing. And I believe, and I'm praying today that, that there's someone listening to me, that this is going to be the start of building. And, and I've got news for you. After years of, of counseling and working with marriages, I'm stunned how little hope it takes to engage a marriage again. I've seen people who are completely done, 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 done. They're talking to me, but they're finished. Just We're talking to you as something to do, but it's done. But if in that marriage counseling, they hear their spouse say something that brings hope, I have seen that little bit of hope with no problems solved yet, but that they have a desire to change. Change the emotional makeup. I've seen joy come in, peace come in. I literally have seen romance, hugging, kissing, laughing, crying, right there when there's nothing solved yet, but they have hope. And my prayer today to all across our Springs Church marriages, to the family of God that is out there, that you recognize there are no perfect marriages, but a healthy marriage is always growing and developing and learning. Father, I pray right now that you would touch every marriage in our church. Father, wherever they are right now, and even which mar whatever marriage they're in right now, that Father, they forget those things which are before, and they would learn and develop the skills, Father, and the wisdom and allow Holy Spirit to work with them where they can be whole, but simultaneously understand how to develop their marriage. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.